What is this? Uh, 30 seconds tomorrow. Ah, yeah. Nah. A what? Pass. That's about right. Well, do you like Jared Leto? We, we play a little of that on K-Rock. I'm just like, yeah. bah. <laughs> they had that one song, and you know, yeah. it's one of those bands. Welcome back to the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G, and Sage Williams. I think this is the first time I've introduced us the whole show. <laughs> and we're into hour two. If you missed hour one, Hello. head over to our podcast page at newsradiokman.com. You can search for the game KMAN on wherever you get your podcasts, or you can just follow us on SoundCloud at the game KMAN. And of course, those numbers are through the roof, biggest numbers we've ever done. And we're continuing to grow, baby. Get on the train because we're going somewhere baby. with a lot of money. Oh, really? We're making dough. Oh, hell yeah. All right. Sage is all excited. <laughs> Let's cash that check. Let's do it. Sage, you understand it's not like 25% of everybody. You know, I, I get like 75 <laughs> and the rest you split like the 25%. Yeah, okay. It. All right. Well, the thing that I don't think you realize, I can... I can turn this off anytime. Oh, wow. I can what? turn you off anytime. It's funny you say that because I always threatened John with that, and I never did it. I maybe did it one time. This whole time, we've been talking to no one. I put you on the air. I can take you off. <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, and Sage, you might take this advice. You know, if you shut off the mic, that means the money goes away. Oh, boy. So, oh, you know. Oh, wait a minute. That's a big gamble. That's like betting $2,000 on green zero. Oh, wow. If you hit, though. You know what I mean? If you hit. Oh, come on. Double zero. Getting paid, getting paid. Go ahead, Sage. Has anybody honestly ever bet on zero? No. No. Who does that? Nope. 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 Someone who doesn't play. Yeah. I watched, uh, during my bachelor party, a fantastic longtime buddy of mine. I love this guy. I won't say his name on the air. Uh, I watched him lose six hundred bucks because oh. he bet on double zero green. Oh, put um, all six hundred on that? bucks on it. Jeez. Yeah, we were playing um, the uh, virtual, heck. like the virtual um, roulette, and uh, he just he just kept winning. He's like, Ah, oh, man, I'm doing I'm doing all right, Dave. I'm doing all right. And he's like, All right, man, this is for you and Sarah. And he put all six hundred on it, lost, and went immediately went to bed. So. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I would feel pretty crappy. I remember in Ve- the first time I went to Vegas, I lost like 150 bucks. I felt like a, the biggest oh, loser. Man, yeah. But then I went downstairs because this was at 6 in the morning. You know, I stayed up all night. I was at this one table. I was only up 150 bucks, but I was trying to make some cash. And then, um, and then I lost it. Oof. And I just went up to bed. I was like, I'm such a loser. I just lost $150. 100 At the blackjack table. <laughs> Plus I, 50 I was so down on myself. Oh. And then I went back down there, and in like 30 minutes, I made 300 bucks. Like, I just started hitting. The itch, man. You know, you're like, I can do it. I can get back up. I can do this again. Oh. There's stinking casinos, man. They're the devil. They're the devil. Do Ugh. you guys know how to play craps? No. I know a little bit. I know a tiny baby bit. Bacon bit. As little as I know about playing roulette, I'm just not going to (laughs) even dig in. But I'm telling you what, if your buddy, he puts 600 bucks on on zero or on green. Yeah. So if he hits that, that's times 37, right? (laughs) What's six? I got to know. 600. Sage is doing the math there. She's 600 times 37. Let's see. That is 18. I'm trying to do the math here. Don't say it yet. Don't say it yet. Is it, is it 20, 22,600? Almost. It's 22,200. God. Man, almost, dude. That, wow, that was amazing. 
And that would have been amazing to see that happen. I should know also, better. It was his, also amazing to see him lose that. To, his teachers at Clay Center High are awfully proud right Yeah, now. they're really, oh boy. He, he almost got it, guys. <laughs> That's like a Rhodes Scholar up there in Clay Center. I shouldn't have said 600 because that didn't make any sense. If it's times 37, but whatever. <laughs> I'll tell you, it was... It was a light. It was one of the a one in a once in a lifetime kind of thing, and it was glorious. And the poor guy, I love him, dude. I love the guy. The biggest bet I ever made was one hundred and fifty bucks. It was like around one hundred and fifty bucks, and I got blackjack. It was a brand new shoe, and I was like, my friend's trying to get me out of here. So, and I wasn't exactly on a heater, so I just it was kind of an all in thing. I was like, I, half of it's house money anyway, and I don't usually bet too big when it comes to blackjack. Threw it all in there, blackjack. Ooh. I was like, "Yes, I'm gone. I'm out. That that's the luckiest I will ever be." Wow. Um, I saw your cousin uh, on a heater, a blackjack heater, uh, where he was. He stood up at the table and was calling the cards. He's like, "Next is an eight. And lady laid down an eight. And everyone's was like, "Whoa!" And then he was like, "Next one's paint." It was a jack, and then he just kept going. He did it for about ten cards, and they kicked us all out of there. What? Like, yeah. Yeah. They thought that, you were counting. That <laughs> you makes see perfect sense. I wondered how long he would get by with that. Yeah, they were they were not happy. No. And then he started smoking, and, and then they, they were like, "Get out of well, here!" It's a casino. You can smoke in a you, casino. You can. Um, it's one of those things that when you're standing up, counting out the cards, and smoking, and yelling, <laughs> and drunk. All right, like, this guy's too cocky. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, the thing is, like, it's the calling the if cards. You're, if they awesome. think you're counting cards, they technically they typically don't kick you out. Right. They just limit your hands. Like you can only bet so much every hand. You can't raise your bets after you lose a hand. That kind of thing. It was, like they just handicap you. It was one of those deals where um, that was another bachelor party that we were at, and there was just a little too much water under that bridge where they were like, there you, go. "You know what? That's the big detail we needed." <laughs> little. They little. did the thing where you know with the finger. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this one up, guys. Go a, ahead. A little too going. much uh, whiskey over the rocks is Absol- what that sounds like. A little too much whiskey. I've been to a, I've been to casinos many times. I've never seen anybody accused of cheating, accused of counting cards. Usually they'll they'll pull them to the side anyway. But I've never seen anything like that happen ever. It was awesome. I, I don't you're I don't think he's capable of counting cards. I just think he was red hot and was just like I just know it I just know it because this guy I mean you know he's not a, like a genius or anything I mean there was a couple of times I um, did it twice in a row one time you know you, you kind there's of, a family joke in there somewhere isn't there <laughs> yeah. when you play poker if it's like a house game or whatever you you know you cut the deck and you draw for who's dealer and I there was t- twice in a row I called out ace of spades and I just pulled it out of a deck boom. and just boom and people are like you cheated. Like, I was accused of right? cheating, and I was like, no, come on. Like, every, all these people are the sitting deck. here. Like, they know I just pulled a card out. I didn't shuffle them, fools. I was like, I just showed it. I, was, I, I just got lucky twice. Who is it? David Blaine over here? He's staring at the bottom of the deck. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. No, sometimes you just feel it. You know, you just feel it. I haven't played poker in a long time. I used to be a big-time poker player. I played every week. Whoa. And then... The group I was playing with, they allowed a cheater to play. I don't know if he still plays there, but I called him out one time. And I was like, and nobody wanted to do anything about it. I wasn't in charge of the game, so I didn't play. How was anymore. he cheating? Uh, he so when he dealt, deal the cards, 
and then he would take a look at the burn card Ooh. and sit it, sit it back down on the deck. And I caught him multiple times Whoa. after he would do the flop, the three the, the three cards on the table. He would check the next burn card. Whoa. Whoa, that's deal, deal the turn. Checks the next burn card. And then the river. He oh. always checked the burn cards. Wow. I was like, man, that is... A big time no no, oh. but nothing was. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I haven't been there Dude, for a that's couple of years. Blatant. Do you rabbit hunt if some if everybody goes out, everybody folds, and then the the hand's done? Do you still rabbit hunt the rest of the cards? Or you're like turn just turn them over. Let's see what it would have been. I don't care. You don't. You don't. My care. strategy always changes when I play because it's usually against the same people. So I never play the same the uh, back like back to back hands the same way. Yeah, yeah. Never play them the same. I don't really care what cards you have. I'm just playing my cards. I'm not too big on reading. Even that's you know, if you're playing for thousands of dollars, you definitely want to be good at that. Yeah. But it's you know, house game or whatever. You're playing amongst twenty people that you you've been playing together for a while. You kind of know what they're like anyway. So mm-hmm. it's not like you need to know what their cards are. That's what when I'm playing for real, I just get insane. I just act crazy and I'm just like, <laughs> and I'm like, wild. And so they're like, I don't know what to think about this guy. What, dude? That's a good I'll tell you another thing. Poker players are also like giant jerks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like if they think for some reason like you played that hand poorly, they're upset, right? They lost, and they're just going to be <laughs> I, I will they're s- just total jerks. I don't like that kind of I stuff. I will like, say, and when I, the one time I was in Vegas, I met Sammy Farha. You know yeah, Sammy? I know Sammy he Farha. He was really cool. Skinny he, guy that always like has like a cigarette, a cigarette or whatever. Yeah. yeah, he was really cool. He stopped for a photo and like was like, "Hey guys, thanks a lot. Take it easy." And we we're like, "Whoa, Sammy Farah!" I don't. I, I've played poker in Vegas a few times. Not like giant games, like two hundred dollar buy in or whatever. Um, and I never. I, I don't think famous poker players will play anything like that. But tourists. I mean, I tell you what, tourists. You could take some money from tourists. Oh, yeah. Here's the thing. It just keeps reminding me that I've got to go to Vegas as a tourist sometime because it hasn't happened. Every time I go I to give Ve- you a crash course and I play some games. Every time I've gone to Vegas, it's it's big. It's because I've been working. <laughs> Here's the deal: if I went to coming. Vegas on a on a work reason, like for a game or something, I'm trying to find a way to sneak away and go play Hell. some about blackjack. The, about the only way that it worked was because we stayed at the Orleans a few times because the games were at <laughs> the arena <laughs> can there. You, can you? Stay somewhere that doesn't have a casino? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Because we did usually on the south side, oh. down by the west gate. Uh, I'm trying to remember uh, what the hotel was because uh, because literally it's just the hotel. In the middle it's, of real. Right yes. next right next to the convention center. So you've got the tram. You've, you know, you can you could go to the strip if you really, really wanted to, but it takes you a bit of work to get yeah, there. You had to want that one. Yeah. Right, exactly. And so, and usually by the time that we roll in, it's late night. We're not exactly in that mode. How did At we get on this people. conversation? That's uh, a good question. Uh, uh, somehow we got onto green double zero and... Oh, yeah. I just brought up some <laughs> dumb comparison that didn't yeah. make probably any sense. Yeah. And I, I, I mean... And, and, and we've gone 20 minutes. Yeah. I will say... <laughs> well, I will say, like, you could ruin your life in 20 minutes at a blackjack table if you went aggressive enough. But I tell you what, some of my greatest thrills in life have come at a blackjack table or at a poker table. Like, just the craziest hands you could be involved in. You could be really happy or really sad in a snap of a finger. And it's oh, a lot of man. luck. There's just so much luck involved. That's why a lot of people don't get into it because 
you can be skillful for sure, but you need the luck of the draw. Absolutely. And sometimes cards are just, it's like the iron unkind. Sometimes the cards are unkind. Or when they bring in a new guy, a new dealer, and it's a, it's just one of those killers. And they're in there just knocking everybody out and just straight-faced, you know. And you're like, oh, here comes the ice. Here comes the icer. Here we come. I mean, there is a reason, as they, as Scott Van Pelt mentions, there's a reason why the hotels are what they look like. Yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> Vegas wasn't built on winners. Oh, yeah. Odds sure. are no. Vegas will get your money at some point. Absolutely. Even though I've had pretty solid luck in Vegas hey. other than that one time I was telling you about. Listen, Prairie Band will get your money. Every casino will get your money no matter what. Shout out to them, too. That's a fun place. I miss their poker room. I used to go there all the time. Saw the billboard the other night. Caliendo's there in April. Really? Tempting. You going? Tempted. Tempted. We're, we're all, we might. We're taking the show on the road. The thing about Prairie Band or the live shows, like we mentioned earlier, I'm a small guy. This is actually probably any casino that has a showroom that has concerts. Well, everything's ground level. You know, it's just flat. And, so and I doubt great. the stage is high enough. So, yeah, I got to look over people's. That means and it's usually like GA. So uh-huh. you just first come, first serve. So you got to get there super early and wait in line. It's, I love Prairie Band. Don't get me wrong. It's just not built for somebody like me to go see a live show. I was supposed to go see Eddie Money. Ooh. In, like not not too long mm-hmm. before he passed away, and I ended up not going because I took my mom to, on a vacation for her sixtieth. Nice, and uh, I didn't get to see him, and I still kind of wish I would have. I, I mean, I, I went for a good reason. I, I didn't go for a good reason, yeah, but I yeah. still back in my mind, I wish I would have went to see Eddie Money one time. Mm-hmm. I think he. I think I heard that he sucked that night. I, he I, probably I, did. Like he yeah. he didn't exactly have the best shows in the tail end of his life. Unfortunately, he, yeah. I it, heard that he was like, "Oh, screw this." place and he walked out. He it, goes, if you're short and you can't see, I don't care. The, the stuck touring because he feels like he has to make X amount of money. Yeah. At that point, oh. You know. Did that what? He goes, he goes, I'm out of here. The He goes, the audio here sucks. He goes, and if you're too short to see back there, I don't care. <laughs> oh, I'm out of here. Up. I thought you were telling a real story for a second. <laughs> I'm so happy you well, I don't feel like I got God or anything no, like that. You, well, you go, it wait just, a minute, what? Like, the thing is, I could imagine something like that happening until yeah. you said, well, you're too short, so I don't care. I don't even care. That, that's what told me. I was like, yeah, yeah I'm getting played yeah. here. That, 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 that's where the tip was. <laughs> oh, you're man. so proud of yourself, but I don't really feel like I, like I said. No, just your reaction when you went, wait, wait a minute, what? That was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> that's fun. Sage isn't laughing. I she know. thinks you're ridiculous. I, I, I am. I laugh at my own jokes. Remember, you wanted the configuration for this show. That's you right. know what? I planned I planned to talk K-State hoops, and we did not get there. No, we whatsoever. did Whatsoever. Great win. Sage, change the podcast. It's completely different now. <laughs> Just change the title to Gambling Idiots. I, I was yeah. going to say Vegas Baby. There you go. Just mentioned Ve- Vegas at that point. Vegas Just about. Baby. Just about. I just didn't make any official picks. Man. Here, I'll make a pick for you. Adrian Martinez is going to be a great quarterback in his one year with the Cats. He made his media debut with K-State yesterday, along with the rest of the transfers that were here as well. The the D1 transfers, I should mention. And that interview with the media with new quarterback Adrian Martinez is up next. Most overrated Van Halen song, if I may say so. Overrated or just over because it's overplayed? 
No, it's overrated. It was, number, it was a number one song. As a matter of fact, it was actually the first ever number one song of the day. No. John Kurtz, big fan of Jump by Van Halen. Might as well jump. Might as well leave a message. That's exactly. I, I, was, I was about to say that. I love that. Big Daddy. Yep. I love that. Yep. Oh, it's good. Uh, before we get to uh, Adrian Martinez, I did want to give a message to the University of Michigan because I know uh, got themselves into a interesting situation with Jim Harbaugh, who's taking interviews for NFL jobs like the Vikings, but apparently that's not going to happen. I guess the Raiders rumor is out there. Even though Michigan, that's, yeah, that's now settled because it's Josh McDaniel. Oh yeah. So Michigan, here's the deal: just call him on the bluff. Obviously, he wants more money, right? Just call his bluff. You have Pete. Jim Harbaugh has Pete. He he somehow snuck into a playoff. <laughs> was embarrassed. <laughs> and by I say somehow, yes, they beat Ohio State for the first time and since Moses was around. And I get that. <laughs> that that's a big deal. The place yeah, rushed. Yeah. The, the crowd rushed to the field. It was the biggest win in Michigan history. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> it's up there. Uh, but Michigan it doesn't get better. No. It, it, you may be a contender, but you're probably not going to be a player. For another 10 years. <laughs> Is Jim Harwell still going to be that guy? Probably not. Yeah, I don't know. Let's go to the point. NFL. Yeah. Honestly, from the Big Ten, do you see anybody being a player other than Ohio Michigan State? Michigan can hire whoever they want, right? Yeah. Well, They have cash. The, the, there's that point, but I'm They're just not saying Texas cash. in terms of the current structure, the only player that I see being involved in a college football playoff is Ohio State. That's the only one from that conference that seemingly has the juice to pull it off. I know, and that's weird because there's you have those solid squads. You have Penn State, you got Wisconsin, Michigan State. Those are great programs, but it's like, can you really envision well, them in the playoffs? I mean, what was it halfway through the, through the year? Michigan State was looking like maybe they were the favorite out of the strong. Big Ten. Yeah, Mel Tucker has them rolling. And Iowa. Iowa, Iowa this year was yeah. rolling, and boom. One loss, and then they're now they're 17th. <laughs> it's just crazy. Another thing I thought that was really cool before we get to Adrian Martinez, and that is um, this coming from at CatFan28 on Twitter. Does a very good job of kind of covering K-State women's basketball stuff, a lot of, of recruiting, a lot better than I am, um, and mentioned that – and I, I heard about this prior, but I, I didn't know the numbers. Uh, K-State women's basketball commit for 2023, Taryn Sides is now the leading scorer in the state of Kansas, averaging 26 points, 11 rebounds, 5 steals, and 4 assists a game. Filling up the stat sheet. Yeah. Shout out to Catfan. God dang, that's awesome. All right, let's get to uh, Adrian Martinez. He is going to be the K-State quarterback. He, I, I talk like he's already first string in my mind. He's first string. <laughs> he's getting K-State through the 2022 season while, you know, guys like Jake Rubley continuing to develop, have that extra year of development before he or maybe Adrian Lara takes over. You never know who's going to be that. that that's a that's definitely a an argument for another day. Adrian Martinez is on campus. He had a press conference yesterday with the media, and here it is. Congratulations, first of all, on being at K-State. What do you like best about K-State? Yeah, uh, I would say the culture. Um, and for me, that's the coaches, the players, there's a real sense of camaraderie here. Um, and that's something that I was looking for in the process of finding a new school and um, what I found here. What do you see as maybe your biggest challenge as you come into the program? Uh, there's there's a number of challenges. Um, 
but that's part of what I was looking forward to. I, I needed a new challenge. Uh, one of those things is overcoming my injury, um, going through the rehab process, finding ways to get involved in the weight room while I'm doing uh, maybe a little bit different lift than some of the other guys. Um, part of that's a, from a leadership aspect. Part of it's from a physical aspect. So uh, adjusting on both of those fronts. I know it's still early, and you haven't taken a snap yet, but how dangerous could that combo be between you and Deuce if that were to play out? Yeah, I mean, shoot, Deuce is an All-American. I think there are a lot of guys who uh, who would love to play beside him, and uh, I'm, I'm really excited about what that can look like and what we could do together in an offense. Adrian, can you walk us through the, the process of, of you picking K-State? Obviously, I know you had some, some personal connections here that, that kind of – Help help bridge the gap. Just kind of walk us through your process. Yeah, well, the the portal, um, if you will, was pretty hectic. But I I, I wasn't looking for a school that uh, was about the hype. It wasn't a uh, strictly personal decision. It was it was about business for me. And one of my goals is to make it to the NFL. And in my mind, K State gave me the best option to do that um, with a really good culture, a really good program, a good team, good guys. Uh, in an offense, I felt like I could fit in and thrive and show some some skills of mine that I haven't been able to display necessarily. And um, that's what it was about for me. So there, there's a process um, sort of comparing different schools, this and that, but K-State was at the top at, in every category for me. You walked me right into my question. What are the skills that you need to work on to get to the next level? For me, it it's going to be a mixture of things. I think every quarterback is in the offseason is working to get better, obviously. Um, for me, it needs to be about decision-making, uh, turning over the ball, so ball security, and those are things I'm going to continue to work on here. Um, what it looks like is just hopping in the film room, you know, every day. And also one of the other challenges will be getting to know these guys and becoming a leader, and those are all things I'm, I'm working on and in the process of doing. Your time north of here, did you find yourself maybe pressing to make the big play to get over the hump in so many close games? Yeah, you know, that, that's part of it. But, shoot, it's about playing football. And uh, I wouldn't necessarily label it one thing or another. I will say I, I just need to get better, and I will get better. What have your first impressions of Manhattan and Kansas State been? Uh, well, I had actually come down a couple times to watch my girlfriend play soccer. I love it. It's, it's truly a college town feel for me. With the Midwest vibe, as far as the people, everyone's really genuine, and I like that a lot. And uh, I've enjoyed my time so far. And when you look at the offense Colin Klein plans to run here, what most excites you about being a part of it? Yeah, I would say it's a lot more sim similar to NFL-type schemes and in the way we, we go about things. But with Coach Colin at, at the head there, offensive coordinator, uh, I think he's going to bring in some some spread elements that I'm more used to coming from Nebraska. And maybe we'll mix in some tempo stuff. And uh, I think it'll really complement the already existing offense that they had. Do you have a target date yet for when you expect to be good to go, fully cleared for whatever they ask you to do? Uh, not particularly. Um, I want to ensure I'll be able to play in the fall, and that's the biggest thing. There's no point in rushing back and risking me not being ready to play in the fall. How big of a, an impact would you say playing for a coach like Colin Klein at the quarterback spot was for you uh, with what he did in his time here and then with him stepping up to the offensive coordinator position now? 
Yeah, absolutely. It, it was a, definitely a big factor for me. I loved my position, position coach in Nebraska, and uh, I wanted a, a relationship similar to that wherever I was going to end up. And I felt like Coach Collin could give me that, um, in addition to being a really bright, solid football coach. And yeah, he, he had a tremendous amount of success here. He knows what it looks like to win here, and um, he's a guy who can pick his brain 24-7. Between uh, Cade and, and, and Will going up here, have you enjoyed having some, some fellow former Huskers around? Yeah, friendly faces for sure. Those are two guys that were some of my closer friends at Nebraska, uh, two really bright guys, good football players, and uh, for me that's helped the transition a little bit coming to a new place. Adrian, how do you build a rapport with your receivers without being able to get on, out on the field and, and connect with them literally? Definitely. Well, it's, it's about forming those relationships. And, and that doesn't always look like running routes on a field and throwing the ball, but I can still be there. My presence can still be there. Film room, uh, getting to know them off the field, outside of the stadium, those are the things. And, and that takes time. It won't happen overnight. But those are the things I'm, I'm trying to actively do to make sure that that relationship is there. And how have you embraced, you mentioned it earlier, the Midwestern culture, being a guy from Fresno. In what ways have you embraced those over the five years you've been in Nebraska? In what ways have I embraced it? I would say my, my personality is a much better match uh, for the Midwest. Um, I, I feel a little bit more at home here. And for me, <laughs> it's a little bit slower pace, uh, which I like. It's a little bit more open, less crowded, and... Uh, you know, I think Manhattan is, is definitely that. Adrian, for some people who may not have gotten a chance to watch you play that much, specifically the fans, how would you describe your style of game? Yeah, well, I really do think I epitomize a dual-threat quarterback. I feel strong about my ability to throw the ball and run it. Uh, running is definitely a part of my game. It's something I'm looking to do maybe a little bit less here, uh, in all honesty, but something that does provide a, a spark, I think, to the offensive side of the ball and uh, try and make plays. And the next evolution of that is make plays and turn over the ball less. So, And then you, you kind of touched on Deuce Vaughn a little bit, but I'm just curious, how much of a factor was him being here? Did that have an impact on you when you were going through and making your decision? Without a doubt. I mean, my philosophy and something that I've been taught is, is the quarterback is one cog in the wheel of success of, or failure. So without the surrounding cast, um, it means nothing. So Deuce Vaughn, I mean – and other guys on the offensive unit, the offensive line, the coordinator, the head coach, it's really a, a system of people that result in success. So Deuce, of course, but also some other guys as well. Obviously, you mentioned you had been down here a few times, but before you really started to know, you started to know about K-State, what were your uh, maybe initial impressions? I had heard a little bit from Cade just because we, we kept in touch, and uh, I heard about the camaraderie and how close this team was. Um, and some of the, the little details about how they reacted or how they handled certain situations that I, I was really impressed by. Um, so I'd heard nothing but good things going into the recruiting process. Agent, you mentioned you know lowering your turnover, turnover rate being a big goal at Kansas State. How would you explain the, the numbers that you did have at Nebraska and why at times you did turn it over? Yeah, um, I would say that's one of the goals, not, not necessarily the main goal. I think that's just a, a good determinant of, of future success. And uh, for me, it's, it, it also ties to the decision-making. Um, being a little bit, I don't want to use the word safer, but more secure with the ball um, when running it. And I think running it a little bit less will also help that for me. 
um, being able to depend on a back like Deuce to run the ball and um, the different elements we're going to have in our offense are all part of that uh, development for me. But um, it just comes down to practice and making sure it's a conscious effort. There you have a new K-State quarterback, Adrian Martinez, with the media. A couple takeaways I have from that. He's well aware of the interception issues he's had in the past. The last four seasons he's played all at Nebraska, 30 interceptions, and that's after playing in 39 games, and he also has 45 touchdowns. He knows that needs to change. It's going to be worked on. He feels like he has a great opportunity at K-State to correct those issues and be able to show off more of his skill and run the ball a little bit less. I thought that was interesting, but also he came to K-State because he wants to go to the NFL. Coach Kleiman develops NFL quarterback. Skylar Thompson is going to be the next one. After that, it's Adrian Martinez. Take that, Scott Frost. Number one song of the day is up next. From 1969, Crimson and Clover by Tommy James and the Shondells. Two weeks at number one. Among the vinyl that was in the collection in the Coverdale household. Oh, yeah. Not not anymore? No, not anymore. What happened to all that vinyl? I'm not sure what the folks did with it. Let's just say the that folks. It, oh, you're talking about back in the day when you I'm, were like I'm a talking child. that th- that this was when I was a kid that that vinyl wait, was so around. Wait, wait, wait. So 69, 71 was my birth year. Okay. Okay. So listen to the Shondells back when you should have been listening to some disco, huh? <laughs> Means my parents had good taste in music. Yeah. Just listen to the Shondells and shut up, you know. And you're like, okay. Oh, Troy was edgy. My my mother's collection of Elvis might be pushing that a little bit, but how about New Wave? Did you listen to some New Wave back then? I did. In the eighties, I did. Yeah, yeah. Little Dino. I'm a, I'm such a I'm a fan of all kinds of music. What was but... what was Off Limits though, Detroit? Off Limits? Or what did you not touch? You didn't even think about touching. I wasn't big on classical back then. Well, sure. I never have been. I mock my father for having Sirius XM so he can listen to uh, easy listening. Ooh, the old man listens to that stuff, huh? Yeah. Tchaikovsky is amazing. Was he disappointed when he didn't end up at Harvard? No. <laughs> <laughs> You've, keeping in mind that, in my case, I'm first through. So he, Dad, he did not, to, Dad did not attend college. He went to the mm. Harvard of, uh, of the Midwest. Valid point. So, I mean, come on. It's like it's just like being there. Dad went straight to work out of high school for the uh, Department of Transportation. And then the coworker that rode with him in the truck. Why the hell are we listening to this crap? Pretty much. No, that would be Bullshit. more. That would be more like in the days when Dad was listening to country music. Oh. But that has burned out a way a ways okay. back. Anyway, back to Tommy James here. So the original name for the Shondells was Tom and the Tornadoes. Nice. But uh, they end up changing it, and uh, pop rock and psychedelic rock band from Niles, Michigan in 64. The Shondells are still kicking along with Tommy James, but it's not the same lineup. They've had over 32 Shond- or 32 Shondells over the years. My goodness. He, uh, his group was inducted into the Michigan Rock and Roll Legends Hall of Fame in 2008. 
eight studio albums. They have not released one since 1970. 14 top 40 hits. And this is their second of two number ones. Crimson and Clover is the sixth studio album by this group. How about this? When the group, before this was released, they toured with Vice President Hubert Humphrey. Whoa! <laughs> Which, of course, the Vice President, too. Uh, what year? Uh, mid-60s. Oh, okay. Uh, Vice President to LBJ. Yes. Very good. Hmm. Can't get one past that? And they were close. So Hubert was like, all right, you guys went on tour with me. I'm going to write the liner notes for your album. So the liner oh. notes was completely written by Hubert Humphrey. Wow. Of, of all people that I would not imagine. <laughs> I know. I mean, I mean, Very weird, yeah, right? That, that's exceptionally weird. That's wild. I mean, about, about the only one that may be weirder would be if it was Spiro Agnew. <laughs> to keep it simple, Tommy James, where he got the idea for this song, well, Crimson is his favorite color, Clover is his favorite flower. Just came to him. It's really all it is. Nothing too more than that. Um, so back then, songs used to have to be cut down from its original length. They cut it down for radio play. It was the opposite. The original cut of this song was two and a half minutes. They actually bumped it up to three mm. minutes, 23 seconds. And a cor- I, I guess when you heard the original version, this is not the original cut of the of this uh, single. But you could hear the bad edits. Like it was right. real skippy in some some parts. Now, how about this? This is kind of funny. So when the when the song was played and it went to number one, it was right after Christmas. So when it gets to that point of the song, like towards the end, it's like real psychedelic-y. It's like a little trippy. Listeners thought he was actually saying Christmas is over instead of Chris, Crimson and Clover. Christmas is over. They're like, oh, my Man. God. Ban it now. Christmas is over. Here, there's another really cool fact about this song. Can you imagine Fox News getting a hold of that nowadays? Well, the war on Christmas began a lot <laughs> even sooner. Yeah. I never thought. It's crazy. It's been a war that's been been fought for a long time. Ruined. Tommy James was the instigator yeah. of the first fight. Yeah. Hippie. How's he not been canceled? Whatever, a hippie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, how about this? So, after it went to number one, it dropped to number 18. And then from 18, the very next week, it completely dropped out of the Hot 100. It is the biggest collapse in Hot 100 history. Dang. Wow. All because people thought he was saying Christmas. No, no, no. Oh. Not necessarily. Okay. It was just okay. the way it was. Right. I suppose. There's no real big explanation. Um, the single sold over 5 million copies, but back then the RIAA did not recognize gold records. So it's never officially been recognized as a gold record. Wow. There's that trippy part. Yeah, yeah. Turn it up. Christmas is over. All is dead. Oh, sorry. Wrong song. All right, you turn back down. I've had enough of that. It's way too trippy. It just sounds... It gets annoying, actually, after a while. Uh, there is a famous cover of this song. You can imagine who I'm talking about. Joan Jett. Joan Jett and the Blackhearts followed it up with their... 82 hit I Love Rock and Roll. This is after I Love Rock and mm-hmm. Roll, but Crimson and Clover was the next big hit. Went to number seven in the United States. When she was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, she did perform this song, but she was not alone. Tommy James himself appeared on stage and performed with Joan Jett along with Dave Grohl and Miley Cyrus. Right on. And I watched it earlier today. It was very entertaining. It was cool. a very good job. And to wrap up in 2006, Pitchfork Media named Crimson and Clover 
the 57th best song of the 1960s. Wow, that's pretty high praise. The 60s had a lot of great hits. Kevin's head and cover, Christmas is over. Number one song of the day is over. Ah. Ask us anything next. Our game. 1350 KMAN, it's time of the game. We've got uh, Ask Us Anything. Hey, what makes you nervous no matter how many times you do it? For me, it's uh, changing outlets. Um, even when I turn all the power off in the house, I still think I'm going to get shocked. And Sarah doesn't understand that. Ooh. Driving on the highway or the interstate? I will maybe? say when I'm a traffic. Pe- high doing, traffic. Oh, I don't care about high traffic. I th- everybody drives too slow anyway. Oh, you've been. You weren't too far from Denver, right? Like I pain in the ass. Dude, Denver traffic. Oh boy. But there's a I, reason it's called the mouse trap. Whenever <laughs> I have to do a crazy long read for like, for instance, when the Oklahoma game football, they did the Hall oh, of Fame yeah. thing, and I had to read yeah. like eleven giant bios oh. to thousands of people. I got super nervous. Like, I was terrible yeah. in the first half of that game because I was so nervous oh, for halftime. that sucks, dude. Yeah, I know what you mean. Makes I know, sense. I know what you mean. And you do it all the time. You do a great job, but reading a lot, your mind just starts to wander a little bit. It's weird. You know, I, I, I will note, uh, ahead of conference tournament games, I got that way. Uh-huh. You want to do your best. Absolutely. Mm. Sage? Well, so I'm a musician, I'm a singer, and so I still do get nervous like before going on to sing, and then while I'm doing it, I'm fine. Yeah. It's just leading up. And then after you're like, I want to do that again, and they're like, no. Sage, you, uh, I mean, is this amateur hour, rookie mistake, you just told everybody that you can sing. Do you want me to? I'm not saying right now. I mean, absolutely. Kill the music, pick out any song you want, or do you take requests? I mean, we're going to have to set something up here. We're going to set something up because Big Steve has to come (laughs) back in and do the scream thing again. Oh, we're going to have a concert. The growl. uh, Big Steve Steve will open for Sage. Uh Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, we'll have a little little mini concert. (laughs) I'm down. Hey, one more real quick. What makes you the black sheep of your family? Mine's easy. Broncos fan. Oh, got a lot of Chief fans? Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, well, locally, yes. Denver area on mom's side of the family is another You're story. Set. Uh-huh. There there's a there there's a divide there. That's tough. I'm quiet. I, I'm actually kind of a quiet person. Like if I'm in a group setting, I unless you know, a couple of sodas, I, I'll open up a little bit, but I'm pretty observant, you know? Ah. I observe my surroundings, I figure people out. I'm not exactly the biggest talker of the group. Right. People watcher. Um, I yeah. I like to eat. Sometimes I'll eat a raw potato every once in a while. Like oh, a piece geez. of raw potato. <laughs> that's weird. I mean, Sage, you can try to top it, but that's just freaky. I mean, he literally meant sheep at that point, didn't he? <laughs> no, yeah, that's that's weird. Uh, for me, it, it goes back to what I just said. Where I'm a singer, I'm the performer of my family. Uh, like, okay, Sage, up. get up and do a song. And you're like, oh god, it's Jingle Bells again. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for the game. We're back tomorrow, a couple of hours. Yeah. Bye.